I remember years ago when I was in a part of northern Vietnam, which was quite a poor part, and it was up in the mountains. And the area there had just had some heavy rains, and there were entire roads that were washed away. And the reason was because of land erosion. You know, the farmers there had cut down all the trees, and because they cut down the trees, that it, it caused this land erosion. And in some parts of, of this part of Vietnam, in fact, there was some huge flooding that was caused, and it caused huge amounts of poverty because suddenly there were no trees there. And so heavy rains came. It just washed everything down with them down to the valley below. Hi, this is Anita, the Global Trade Gal. With our company, Mindoro, where we do trade in the home furnishing and home decor industry, one of our core values is to, to, have to create, develop, and manufacture home decor and home furnishing products with a social conscience. So today I want to talk a little bit about the social conscience or something which is kind of near and dear to my heart, which is about poverty alleviation. And also a poverty alleviation and sustainable development. Now, some of you might ask, well, look, I just want to trade products. I just want to buy and sell products. I don't really care about poverty alleviation or I, you know, sustainable de development's great. Yeah, I'm concerned about the environment, but hey, just get me my product at the price that I want it and I'll be happy. Well, I really believe that companies, corporations, whether you're big, whether you're small, that this is something that we should be concerned about and look at. And there's basically four reasons why poverty alleviation is necessary for sustainable development. And I'm going to go through these four different reasons as to why I feel that this is important and to give some examples. First of all, number one is that when people are in poverty, it can cause them to circumvent sustainable development. What this means is that like when they're in poverty, they lack money, they lack resources, they maybe don't understand or they don't think that sustainable development is important. I remember years ago when I was in a part of northern Vietnam, which was quite a poor part and it was up in the mountains, and the area there had just had some heavy rains and there were entire roads that were washed away. And the reason was because of land erosion. You know, the farmers there had cut down all the trees and because they cut down the trees that it, it caused this land erosion. And in some parts of, of this part of Vietnam, in fact, there was some huge flooding that was caused and it caused huge amounts of poverty because suddenly there were no trees there. And so heavy rains came. It just washed everything down with them down to the valley below. You know, this area is mostly the uh, monk farmers who live there. And so, you know, they were constantly fighting this battle of poverty. You know, this was kind of an example of that. A lot of times when people are in poverty, they, they do things to that hurt the environment. And it can actually hurt the environment for generations to come. So not only are they hurting the environment, but it becomes harder for them and their families and others to get out of this poverty cycle. And so that's one reason why corporations should, you know, should try to do things like, you know, buy sustainable wood or, or make sure at least the wood that they're buying is not going to hurt the environment. It's not, you know, cutting down the trees and causing land erosion, that there should be, you know, some type of, um, you know, they should understand that their sources are buying wood from sustainable sourcing or that they're buying it from, you know, people in places where it's not damaging the environment. The other thing is that when you're in poverty, that, you know, lack of education can lead to unsustainable practices. 
you know, 12% of the world's population is illiterate. And this, of course, is much higher in some parts of the world than other parts of the world. But education, you know, can really affect um, individuals, people, and families. And I've seen this myself, which we do some, we have a small charity that we work with called Project Sprouts. And Project Sprouts is actually a charity which I started, which we help some of the schools in North Vietnam. And with my work with Project Sprouts, there's been a few things that I've been able to understand. And I've met a lot of young children, especially young girls. And a lot of times, these again are girls that are living up in the mountains. They they might be Hmong, they might be like a Thai um, minority, but they're basically living up in these mountain villages. For some of them, they are not in school. And I've seen it as young as the, you know, the ages 9, 10, 11. And it could just be that they're the oldest daughter, they have younger siblings, and both of their parents have to work to be able to support the family so the family can have basically food on their table that they um, require that the oldest daughter stay home from school and take care of the younger children. Of course, what happens in this is that she doesn't get an education and she will probably spend the rest of her life in poverty because she doesn't have an education. There again, it goes that poverty cycle continues because of the lack of education. You know, other times, the lack of education is simply access. You know, that they may live so far away that they need to go into the major city. They have to... Um, um, you know, go, you know, stay in the city. They maybe can't afford to do that. They, um, you know, can't afford to have their child away from home for, for such a long period of time. Uh, you know, the, a lot of, a lot of, sometimes the schools will provide a place for the children to live and stay overnight, but they have to provide their own food during the week. And the family may not have all that extra food to, you know, give to the child so the child can get an education and stay in school. So I've, for me, for myself, I've seen there's been basically two reasons why. One is basically just the economic situations of the family, or it's maybe been lack of access to education. But both of these mean that the lack of education means that this child will usually continue the poverty cycle. It will be very difficult for them to get out of poverty because they simply do not have the education to do it. One of the third reasons is, is that people in poverty usually lack access to technology. One of the best examples of this that I've heard about is in Africa for some of the water wells. And there's many, you know, NGOs and non-government organizations that come in and they've said, oh, these women have to carry water for two or three miles. Let's build a well. Let's, you know, let's get, you know, let's get the well in and we build this well. And great, they build this well and the well, you know, um, is in the village and it lasts for like six months or a year. And then suddenly the well stops and there's no follow-up plan and nobody knows how to fix the well and they don't have the technology to fix the well and they don't have the access to it to fix the well. And so the wells just basically, um, you know, stay there and they're, and they, you know, they end up with not being used because there's no technology to be able to, to fix the wells at all. They estimate that around the world that there can be something like 50,000 wells that are not in use because of this problem, that the wells, you know, nobody knows how to fix them. So the wells are not in use. You know, also the other thing too is like lack of technology means that people don't have access to online things. They maybe don't have the internet. They're maybe not able to learn or to self-educate themselves. So there's lots of things which, you know, lack of technology can do to be able to cause that people remain in poverty and it will not lead to sustainable development. 
One of the four things is that poverty can lead to the overconsumption of resources, and this can hurt sustainable development. I recently heard a fabulous story. There's a Dr. Um, Paul Cox, who was a professor at Brigham Young University, and he was in a village in Samoa. And the village was being pressured by the um, logging company to give up, you know, the rainforest that they had there because, you know, the logging company, of course, wanted the wood and the village needed to have a school. And the cost of the school was going to be $80,000. So the village, seeing no other way for them to be able to raise the money for this school, was going to turn over the rainforest rights to the logging company. Well, in comes Dr. Cox, and he hears about this. And so he says to them, he says, look, don't sign this deal. I will find a way to raise the money for this. And he actually goes home and he tells his wife, I have some good news and bad news. You know, the good news is we have the chance to save a rainforest. And the bad news is that we have to sell everything in order to do it. His wife said, fine. Well, as the story went, they didn't end up having to sell everything to do it. Families, friends, and others heard about this predicament and all began to pitch in, and they were able to raise the money to save the rainforest. But that didn't stop there. They kept raising money, and they kept saving rainforests and other things around the world where you know these um, villages or these these areas were having to make these decisions between, you know, do we educate our children or do do we, you know, save the rainforest? And I believe um, the company that they have now is called uh, Seacology, and they are um, been able to literally build hundreds of schools and save hundreds of rainforests and other places around the world. I love this example because this example is not unique, you know, to Samoa. It's not unique to a certain part of the world. In fact, there's many places in the world where the villages or others are having to make these tough decisions you know, between do we educate our children or do we save our natural resources. It also becomes very important because once they give up those natural resources, they don't get them back. And so then it starts causing more poverty in the long run because suddenly, you know, they were able to maybe live off the forest. They were maybe able to grow the plants or maybe able to do other things like this, but suddenly they don't have that anymore. And so they be, become in in a worse shape than if they had kept their natural resources. As companies, corporations, individuals, we can all choose to be part of the solution and not the problem when it comes to poverty, alleviation, and sustainable development. And that's kind of my message today to all of us, you know, any of us that want to look and do global trade. This is something that you need to look at today to be part of the global trade. You have to look at poverty, alleviation, and sustainable development. Those two go hand in hand. And find a way that you can be part of the solution and not the problem. If you'd be interested to find out more and read more about this and to get some links for some of the companies and some of the things that they're doing, you can read our blog on uh, four reasons poverty alleviation is necessary for sustainable development. We'll have a link below. If you'd like to find out more about us, you can also contact us through our website, um, mandoro.com. And we'd like to also thank Rico uh, for his help in putting this podcast together. If you get a chance, give us a thumbs up, like us, and become part of us, our community. We'd love to have you be part of us. Thank you so much for listening. We know that without you listening, this would not be possible. Thank you.